And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Hello, you little stars. <laughs> Welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Swift, and I'm really genuinely so, so, so excited for this episode. This was one of my favorite to record, and I know I feel like I say that almost every single episode, but I truly mean it because this is someone that I know personally, and I just feel like I've watched her completely take off, and it's really cool to see someone that you know just absolutely go after their dreams and crush it. So today, I am joined by Macy Eleni. Macy, otherwise known as Blazed and Glazed on YouTube, is an LA-based YouTuber content creator, and now she is adding author to her repertoire. She has grown a community of over 800,000 followers and subscribers across YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram for her thrifting content, and the way that she's shared her life honestly and openly. Macy, aka the Thrift Queen, has shared her love for thrifting ever since her high school days living in Ohio, filming herself for her first YouTube channel in her childhood basement. She really inspires people to find their own style and truly express themselves. Over time, Macy's content has evolved, but she has always been the same wonderful, authentic human at her core. Throughout her time on social media, she has been super honest and open about her eating disorder and her ongoing healing journey. She's also very open about mental health, what she's struggling with on a day-to-day basis, and it's clear her audience is very drawn to how real she keeps it online. I can speak from experience when I say that with Macy, what you see is what you get, and I mean that as the biggest compliment. She is and always has been very much so herself. Macy and I met in college and I remember hearing about her dreams and like what lit her up then. And there are not many people that can truly follow through with what they say they want to do and and go at it with her same level of determination and passion. In this episode, we talk about her content creation journey, what it's been like building a personal brand, what it's been like moving from Ohio to LA, what she's had to sacrifice along the way of building her brand how her content has evolved over time and what advice she would give for people who are trying to do something similar or are just trying to go after their dreams. And this conversation, it just honestly renewed and restored my inspiration and my creativity. I feel like for a while, I've just felt like up and down and felt like I might never do the things in life that I really want to do. But I can't even tell you how much this conversation with Macy just invigorated me in the best way. And I hope that it does the same for you. I really think it will. I feel like sometimes just knowing what people have had to go through to get to the place that they are now is really inspiring in a way because it just shows you like it, it's not always going to be easy, but it definitely is worth it. And I think that a lot of times people think that once they get to a place that they want to be in life, that ultimately like all of their problems will just go away. But this is truly just about the journey and enjoying every step. And it feels like Macy really is in a place where she just really is meant to be. So I'm going to shut up now. and I'm going to let you listen to the episode for yourself. I'm really, really excited about this one. And I think you guys are going to love it. So welcome Macy Eleni to the Star of the Show podcast. Okay, we were just talking before this. Welcome, Macy. Hi. 
I know we just talked um, for 20 minutes. We talked, we had way too much good content and I'm thinking in my head, like we need to press record so that we can get this for the people. Okay. So we were talking about Macy's journey with content creation and I feel like there's so many things that I want to talk to you about that are like all over the place. So Mm -hmm. forgive me if this is scattered. Okay. But I would have it no other way. Um, and I'm glad that it's you today because I feel like we're both a little scatterbrained, both feeling yeah. a little burnt the fuck out. So this will just be fun AF for us. Um, like if I was doing any podcast today that it's with you because I, we haven't seen each other in years, but you're also someone that I knew. So like, I don't know that I just feel like a connection to, and like, it just feels like it hasn't been that long. Like, even though it's been so long. I know. I feel like if we were in person right now, like it would feel like no time had passed at all. I know. And I love that for us. I was literally thinking earlier, I'm like, I feel like shit. If this was anyone other than Macy, I would be so nervous. <laughs> so just thank you for being you. Um, all right. So I obviously know a lot about your journey because just letting you know, I used to watch your YouTube videos back when like pre-blazing glaze days oh my god um so I was like a fan from afar or not so afar but for people that don't know your journey I want them to learn a little bit more about you so I know that you mentioned that you used to like be doing these YouTube videos in like your literal basement in Ohio explain what the journey has looked like or like what initially inspired you to pick up the camera so yeah, I I mean, I stumbled into YouTube like early ass days, like before anyone really knew what it was, probably like 2009, 2010. And I grew up, you know, in Dayton, Ohio. I was raised by a single mom. It was just me and my mom and my sister. And we, it was, it was hard. Like it, I definitely had like not the shiniest, prettiest upbringing. And yeah. there were a lot of things that, I mean, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression when I was about six years old. And that was always something in me. And I always felt really lonely. I always felt really lonely. And in high school, I just, I loved fashion. I'd fallen in love with fashion and like the way you could express yourself through fashion. And I was already really into thrifting because that is something I'd been doing for a long time. And that was my way to like afford fashion and like to be able to afford clothing that I wanted to wear and to express myself. And the thrift store was really the place I would go to like, just like be at ease, to be able to like take a deep breath, be myself, not worry about like any of the shit that was going on in my family and like back at home and anything trauma related. It was really like my safe space for like an hour every Wednesday on half off family day. And I would go and (laughs) I wasn't always filming it. And then I just like kind of remember like in like 2010, just being like, I love all of these YouTubers. They keep me company. I being so lonely and like growing up in a house for the first six years of my life when my parents were married, that was very loud. My dad, it's like, physically and mentally and emotionally and verbally abusive. And I watched that a lot with my mom. And that was really like a hard time for me in those beginning years. And then it was just me, my mom, my sister, like my mom was working all the time and she was gone all the time, just like trying to make money, like raise her kids. And I felt really lonely. And my sister was really little and TV and movie and entertainment in general just really kept me company. They were, it was my best friend. And so then when I found YouTube, it was like almost like even more of that because it was just like this person sharing their life through a screen. And like at a, you know, my whole life, I knew I wanted to be an entertainer. And I was like, how am I going to get there? Like, I don't have any connections. I don't have any money. I I, I don't have anything to that world. And yeah. when I saw these people sharing themselves and creating content and creating almost these mini television shows that felt really personal, 
personal and cool. And like, I just like you said, I had a blog studs and spikes. I think it was at blogspot.com. And I like would blog about fashion and stuff, but I really love like this, like a video person to person, like being on camera. Like I hosted, you know, the morning news every single day. That was like a class I was in the broadcast class in high school. So like, it was just something I knew I loved and finding YouTube. I was like, shit, like I can do this too. I had a little digital camera and like one day I just like picked it up. I made, I made a like come thrift with me before literally like anyone was almost even vlogging, let alone like vlogging in the thrift store. I have a video like somewhere on my Instagram that I posted, uh, like throwing it back to that time. And it's like so crazy, so much eyeliner, so much hairspray, so much teasing, so much MySpace vibes. And I just like started (laughs) making videos and uploading them to Fashion Outsider 09, you know, before we like knew if it was safe to put our real names on the internet or not. And Instagram was not invented yet. I don't even think, I don't even know if Twitter was invented or it had just started. And it was just YouTube for me. And I just started making these videos. And I remember like my first video to ever go viral at that time, because I was an all-star cheerleader in high school. I made an all-star cheer hair and makeup video before a competition and it got 300,000 views. And like, it was insane. And it got me to my first a thousand subscribers. And that was at a time when like those kind of views were just not as normal as they are today. Right. And I just like, fell in love with it. Like I fell in love with it so hard. And like for the rest of high school, like people like knew me as like Macy, like makes YouTube videos. Like, what is that? Like even in college, when I would tell people like that was something I would like, you know, do sometimes like everyone was just Mm -hmm. like, like like, cam girling, like, what are you doing? Like they always made it weird. Like you couldn't tell like a a boy, let alone like anyone that you were like making videos on the internet without people making it like so strange, but it was really, really amazing for me to like find I think it really sparked in me that like I could do this on my own. Like I always knew like I wanted to be an entertainer and move to LA and like make TV shows, but YouTube really showed me like, oh my God, like there's actually a pathway to do this. And I really, I saw then, like I saw like people starting to do the first brand deals. And like, I was like, there's really something here. And like, I really believe that this is my path. I just don't think I understood then that like I wasn't at the point at all then to like really share my full self the way that I do now, because I needed to go through a lot. I needed to go through, I needed to recover from my eating disorder I'd had my whole life. I needed to really, I needed to get on antidepressants. I needed to block my dad out of my life. I need to do a lot of things um, to get me, like I wanted to blow up so bad back then, but like now I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't because what did I have to really give? Like I I didn't really have what I have now to give to people. And So yeah, I mean, I've just been in love with YouTube for as long as I can remember. I can relate to like what you said of someone blows up and goes viral. Okay, then like, are they really equipped to handle that virality? Are they equipped to, you know, like, are are they comfortable with themselves? Like, do they have enough to give to these people that are following their content? And I feel like everything happens within the right timing. I should tell this fucking advice to myself, but it seems like it really... I give advice all the time. And then I'm like, literally doing the exact same thing to myself. It's a lot easier to say to other people. It's so true. Because like, looking at you, like, I can see your path, like, it all makes sense. But to me, like, wouldn't be able to give myself the same advice whatsoever. But I'm curious, because I feel like just knowing you personally, and watching you grow, like, clearly, you've seen a lot of success. It's, It's obvious. But how has that content grown and changed over time? Because I've seen you go through multiple evolutions of your content. And what has that looked like for you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, when I first, it's crazy because I almost feel like I've come full circle to where I was. So like when I first started making YouTube videos in high school, like I was literally taking people to my local Salvation Army, like doing little fashion lookbooks, like on in my basement, like on this little janky digital camera or literally on my webcam. Like sometimes I've filmed a what's on my bag, like what's in my bag on my webcam. Like, so that was weird because <laughs> I'm almost doing that now. And I took a break from that. So like I was making that content and then in college, like really wasn't making content at all. Like I would on and off make vlogs and stuff, but like I wasn't serious as serious about it. Um, and then right after college, I studied fashion merchandising at OU. And then I, we moved to LA and I started assisting a celebrity stylist out here uh, just to like do something that was like, you know, that just felt like I was connected to fashion, connected to entertainment. At least I was going to learn right. you know, the ins and outs of being on set. And like now I'm usually the person on the other side of that, like as the talent on shoots and stuff. But I love that I know, first of all, I know how hard everyone's jobs are. So like, I just feel like that makes me a better person to work with in general than someone You're that more has respectful to those people. I mean, like as everyone should be, but like, you know, I've seen some things, like I've seen some things right. and people act a damn fool, but I am so glad that <laughs> I know what the stylist does, that I know how, how hard their job is, that I know how to dress people and how to do things. Like it just, I feel like getting all that experience, like on a set, even though at the time I felt like, wow, I'm like at the bottom of the totem pole and I want to be up here and like looking at the talent and being like, I want that, but I learned so much. Um, and then I started working at a tanning salon in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills tanning. It doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. My boss was a nasty misogynist who played a, paid us below minimum wage. I literally filed a claim against him and then like he went bankrupt and it was so crazy, but I would literally, because Tyler and I were sharing a car at that time, like I would walk to work like almost a mile and back every day. I would sit at the little desk in the front and I would check in like all of these people, incredible people, like celebrities and like influencers and stuff and be like, I just want that so bad. And I was uploading mm -hmm. on my YouTube channel, Fashion Outsider 09. Um, and I, I remember one day after only being in LA for like a month, um, I like had this night where I like broke down crying, like literally so bad. And I was still like, I was so deep in my eating disorder. I had had an eating disorder. I mean, I don't even like to say I'm like fully recovered. I don't even know what that looks like. And I don't put pressure right. on myself oh, to say that, but I've been struggling with an eating disorder since I was around six years old. And it's something that really developed out of stress. Like when I was like younger, living in a really stressful environment and like wanting control. Also my dad being like a body shamer and like there's the diet culture of that time. And I just remember yeah. having this moment where I broke down crying and I was like, I live in LA. I, I live in this place I've wanted to live my whole life. I'm, you know, I have everything at my fingertips, but like, I am so swallowed up inside by hating on myself 24 seven. Like, I think it's crazy because people talk about me as a positive person online. And that is something that I really hold near and dear because it's something, my positivity journey has been something that's really helped me so much. Like it's guided me, it guides me every day mm -hmm. because it doesn't come naturally. And I just like broke down and I was like, I'm so mean to myself. I'm my biggest hater. I'm like so terrible. I wake up every day and the first words out of my mouth are like, oh, I'm so gross or I'm so fat or I'm disgusting. Like I'm stupid. Like, yep. And those things matter. Like the words that we say to ourselves matter. And I just had no concept of that. And I broke down and I was like, fuck, like I want to recover from my eating disorder. And I had been to like a treatment place in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I was in high school, um, had to like take off school, do all of that. But I wasn't ready to heal at that time. And like with eating disorders, like a lot, like you have to be ready to commit to like changing what your life has been. And at 16, yeah. like I was just going because my doctor and my mom made me. I had no wanting to 
help myself. So I just sat there and I was like, I literally picked up my camera that I'd been using to like make random vlogs from, you know, here and there. And I just like literally broke down talking about where I was at in that. I was like, I have an eating disorder. Like I, this is probably not something I would make now, but like, cause who knows, like if it was the smartest thing to do, but it was something I felt so pulled to talk about. It was something I didn't feel like anyone was really talking about then that was in my situation. That was just like a, yeah, young you have to go with your gut and those moments. Yeah. That was a young girl in her twenties living in LA, like just trying to like, I don't know, just do a lot for herself and make her dreams come true. But like, fuck, I have this thing that's really holding me back. So I started, I uploaded that video and it just did better than anything I'd ever posted. And it just kind of like woke me up to the community of people out there that were trying to like recover from eating disorders or not even that, just like recover from talking so disgustingly to themselves their whole life, because that's something we are really encouraged to do more than say the kind things. And I just like, dove into that. And I was working at the tanning salon, but I was also, I mean, I would work at the tanning salon. I'd walk there a mile and back every day, work all day. And then I was uploading three YouTube videos a week. Like I literally for like, I would wake up at 4am and make them. And it was these things that like, I wasn't making any money from, but I knew I had to be consistent. I, I knew I had to do it and I knew I had to build the community. And I did that for I don't know, maybe like two years I did that channel and I got to up at four o'clock for two years. Yeah. Like not every day, but on the days that I had to upload a video because I had a shitty laptop from college that like was a rock and would like shut off while I was editing. And like, it's all these things that like you just have to be committed to. And I have just always been committed to like making my dreams come true. I think it was the one thing when I was living in such a bad space my whole life. Like I held on to my dreams. I held on to this sparkly version of myself that would be on TV, like making people happy and being happy myself. And it really guided me through everything. And I was making those videos, but I got to a point where I kind of was hitting an amazing point in my recovery, which kind of made me not want to talk about it anymore. Like I got to this point where I was like, I don't really feel like making these videos, talking about it, because talking about it is kind of making me just live in this eating disorder recovery bubble where like, really, I just want to live my life. Like I feel this comfort with food and speaking to myself kindly that I never thought was possible. And I want to be able Mm -hmm. to experience that. And I was like, I want to be able to re-enter talking about fashion and thrifting and the things that I love in a healthy way. Because to me, like back in the, the days before that in high school, college, and like the first couple years here in LA, like fashion equaled like skinny, rich, white ladies. And that's like all I saw at internships. That's all that was plastered everywhere. And so it was a big part of the culture in fashion. And I also realized that like on YouTube, there was no one making fashion content that I wanted to watch. It was all like, first of all, it was all like just like gross fast fashion hauls. And it was also just like people being like, be thin like me, like how to lose five pounds and be skinny like me and be this like me and be cool like me. And then you'll be chic like me. And like, I just wanted to make videos that made people want to be themselves. And So I decided, which was very scary, right? When I hit 10,000 subscribers on that channel I'd had since high school, I just told uh, my boyfriend, Tyler, I was like, I am going to shut my channel down and I'm going to make a goodbye video and like tell everyone, like, I love you guys. Like, this has been amazing. I understand if some of you are not in a place in your recovery that you want to come follow me for fashion content, but like, I'll be there. And I wanted to be respectful of that and not just start throwing like try on hauls because people can be triggered with that kind right. of stuff. And I wanted a fresh space. So I like made Blazed and Glazed, the YouTube channel, and for like a good six months was probably making videos on there. And it was really exciting because I was, I mean, I was literally just making like really, really janky hauls, like in mm-hmm. my 
studio apartment in Beverly Hills um, in my kitchen because that was the only room I had. And that was what I was doing. And then the pandemic hit. And then I started TikTok and like my life like really changed, which is I know like I hear that a lot from people about TikTok, but it really was TikTok like was something I did not see coming at all. And yeah, completely changed my life and took me back to the content that I was making in the first place. I really hope I didn't just ramble to death, but like I can definitely go off on a on a tange. That is why we have a podcast. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not a short-winded girly. You need like we, we need the long form content. Like I'm not about the 13 second life like of a trending video. Like my TikToks no. have to be long. <laughs> You're good at like making it concise though and like editing and stuff like that and like I, I'm always enticed by your content I just got the 10 minute feature back on TikTok and I'm like thank you yeah mine for giving me what too. I deserve mine had disappeared too I had and then I didn't have it and then I got it back I was like yeah same okay so maybe they weren't just sing- singling me out I was like oh, I felt well, very we- personally attacked <laughs> um no but um, there was something you said and I heard I'm creepy okay so I went and listened to like all the podcasts you've been on and there was one that you were on a long time ago that was so you had said something like people on your YouTube were commenting that you made them feel comfortable being themselves and expressing themselves because there was never any content tailored to them like and and being focusing on being themselves so how do you feel like you have built this community of like engaged people that you really feel close with your community and with your followers and your subscribers and like how do you continue to do that because I feel like you've built such a loyal and like close following and what do you what do you think you've done to to get there I think I'm like just well for I, I really just I mean I tell everyone in general like if you're doing this like you have to be yourself because yeah not only is it the most engaging thing but it will get fucking exhausting pretending to be something you're not and it just like doesn't get you anywhere I think it's because I'm just really honest and open. But for me, that comes so naturally. Like I've always felt comfortable sharing my quote unquote dirty laundry, my my family. Like I've always had a lot of material to work with. I like to call my family drama my material. Yeah. And I, you know, and it is stuff that I've always felt really comfortable talking to people about. And I love connecting with people about, you know, as I, I think yeah. because I grew up feeling so isolated with like the kind of relationship I had with my father and like the kind of stuff that was going on in my home and like the mental health struggles I had from such a young age. Like I, even my eating disorder, like because so many people didn't talk about this shit, like mental health and all of this trauma and abuse as at all as openly, even when we were like in college, which wasn't that long ago, which is now like it, I think I felt so isolated that the second I found out that like a couple words I could say on camera, a 20 minute video, 10 minute video, whatever. The second I saw those comments pouring in of people being like, me too, me too. I relate to this. This made me feel better. It like just made me feel like this is my calling. Like not everyone feels comfortable sharing these experiences. And like, I just would have died to have someone, I think it would have really made a big difference to me um, growing up feeling so lonely and isolated. If I saw like another person talking about the same struggles that was in a place I wanted to be. Like I have a lot of, a lot of my followers are like so talented, amazing, like designers, photographers, content creators, actors, actresses, musicians, like people 
who if I if I saw people like that, people where I want to get to saying like, I have depression, I have had an eating disorder, like I have this complicated relationship where I don't talk to my dad. Like if I heard them say those things, it would have made me feel like, oh my God, like, so it's okay. Like, it's okay that I've experienced these things. These things don't define me. And like, I can, I can be happy one day and like, I can smile and yeah. laugh and be talks nice to myself. And like, look, that's why I always try to be so honest because I hate like toxic positivity. It's not for me. I am not a positive person. It's my positivity is a daily practice. And like, it's, yep come a lot from like my gratitude journal and like everything, these things that like me a couple years ago would have like laughed at and made fun of me for doing. Like I literally would look at positive people my whole life and be like, cool for you, not for me. Like I had this like crappy life. So like I can't be happy. And I think like when I clicked, you know, not letting the things that other people had done to me or things I'd experienced dictate if I got to be happy in my life, I started really sharing my authentic self and just dropping those walls. And for me, it's, I find so much joy in connecting with people and talking about the hard stuff and yeah. having a giggle at the same time and also being hot. And like, I just want to like, you know, I don't know. I just want to like empower people to like do all those things that they love and be kind to themselves while they're doing it. And yeah, it's led to like, I love that my followers are so diverse, you know, like on TikTok and Instagram and TikTok, I have like the babies and on Instagram, I have like, you know, the people our age and on YouTube, I have like women in their sixties that watch me and it's, yeah. and it's, it just really ranges and people will comment and be like, I would never wear anything she's wearing, but like, I'm just here for the vibes and like, that's yes. a compliment to me. And I think that if it's just come from me, like being really honest, but like, I know that like, I'm sure I overshare sometimes too, but I honestly just don't give a fuck. Um, yeah. Because like we can't waste any time giving fucks. No, because really what's the point? Like, and yeah, I really relate to that too, where it's like, I, I'm so just not into small talk. I instantly want to connect with people. I want to talk to you about like, well, the last time you cried, what's your trauma? Like where, you know, where I think that that's just how you connect with people and make people feel, make people feel seen and heard and like good about themselves. And I actually just recorded a solo episode yesterday about it, literally the title is going to be is exhausting to be positive because I feel like now this is all clicking. Actually, I started a community called happy scampers and it was like all about like mental health and positivity and yada, 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 and resources for, like mental health. And I think that like, this is when my OCD got really bad because I had had like OCD my whole entire life. And I never knew until literally last year, insane. And then all of a sudden I just got obsessed with being like positive. This doesn't align with me. I can't do it. And then I was putting myself in this box of like, I can only do things that are positive that like are good for me and blah, 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 blah. And like, that puts you in such a narrow, like life, you, you know, you stop seeing because no one, that way like we're all messy as shit like I like right. we are all so messy and like we're all such complex individuals that like it not it's just not gonna ever be realistic right and you're so much more interesting than like just the things that are going good in your life like I I feel like I connect more to creators to people like to anyone who is honest about where they're at because it's like, okay, I can let my guard down. I can be myself with this person. Yeah. I can tell you all the shit that's going on in my life and you won't judge me because you're this like you're the same. You've been through these same struggles. So 
I mean, I think that's that's 100% why people have latched on to you because you really are just like an open book and honest with where you're at in your in your life and your struggles and your career. And that's something that I feel like, you know, people just gravitate to. I'm also like a big sister of like two sisters and two stepbrothers. And like I am really so close with my sister. And like because we just yeah. grew up kind of like solo vibes, like I always really wanted to take on a protector role of her. And like I feel like I like being that, like, I like having that. And like, you know, I grew up having like, a, like I have a really small family. Like there's not a lot of people <laughs> anymore. And for me, like sometimes that can make me feel really shitty around the holidays, around like so many times, even like what I'm going through yeah. with the book right now, like not having that, like a lot of family to really care or to talk to about it. Like sometimes it'll hit me, but then I'm like, shit, like I have actually way more than I could ever ask for. I have almost like a million people that are, in my family connected to me when my sister and I were at urgent care for her burn the other day. Like one of my followers was in the waiting room, just talking to us. And it was like the best, like those kind wow. of remind me that like, I have like all these little like brothers and sisters and everyone out there. And I think that that's just like my purpose. Um, yeah. I, I just fully like believe I'm like really as like hootie hootie, what a, what it sounds like I'm living in my purpose. No, that is so, I think that's so like, refreshing too to hear because like clearly you know things have not always been easy for you but it seems like you know now things are just clicking and feel like feeling like you're in the right place and so I feel like for a lot of people who may feel like they are struggling or things just aren't clicking they're frustrated with where they're at in life like that is inspiring to people because it's like okay just because it sucks right now doesn't mean it always always will so for people who like whether it's in your real life, whether it's your community or whatever it is, like for people who are struggling right now or want to do something big and crazy and like amazing, but they're too afraid and they're scared of judgment or whatever it is, like, what do you tell those people or what would you tell those people? Yeah. So like, I know that first of all, like, well, there's like tangible tips, like that, like just help you feel better, which for me, like yeah. is my gratitude booty journal. Like I write in it every single day and I write my manifestations. I write everything that I'm grateful for, even though some days that's really fucking hard. Some days it's like really hard to come up with things that are good when we feel like everything's shit. And we feel like we can only focus on the things that are out of our control that we don't yet have versus what we do have. And when I ground myself in the gratitude and I literally, sometimes when I'm saying that, I'm like, I sound like a walking, like just like <laughs> meme or like whatever, like a freaking infographic. But like, it's true. Like when you ground yourself in that gratitude, it really brings you back down to reality of like remembering how much you have and how much resources you do have. Um, and like when I focus on the things I have versus what I do not yet have is when I am in my happiest headspace, when I yeah. am just really letting myself be kind to myself. I mean, a thing I started in my eating disorder recovery, but what the first one of the first things I did before even like getting better at eating a damn meal was I'm not allowed to shit talk myself anymore. Like I can't, like yeah. I really won't. And I want to say nice things to myself. And some days that's really hard, but I really encourage people to like come up with a couple nice things that they like about themselves because there are things like even when we're being like negative little bitches on ourselves and we just want to be like, what was me? Like there are things that make us great and we know them deep down. So say them out loud to yourself and cut saying the mean stuff because that is like the first thing I did in this positivity journey was like 
stop shit talking your appearance, your brain, your mind, everything, your life, everything about you. First of all, like brings you down. Also not very good for manifesting. Like it literally will bring, yeah. like, I was, you know, sitting at a point a couple years ago where I was like, why isn't my life everything I want? And it's like, maybe because you're so mean to yourself and saying you don't deserve every anything, but then expecting th good things to happen for you. And, you know, manifestation mm -hmm. isn't magic, but like, it definitely keeps your mind on a place, like on the right track. And when I look at my manifestation journals from even 2020, I was literally writing, like, I will be repped by a top five Hollywood agency. Like, I I'm a writer. I am this. And like, those are things that I have been able to check off and then look back on. And like, I don't think I mani magically manifested them. I just think that it really helped keep it front of mind and also then 100%. made me start to believe that it was possible because I was living to try to make those things happen. And I also think that like, if you want to then just like make a big change with your life and go after like a dream, some might say like there's it's sacrifice. Like I remember those first couple, like the first three years I lived in LA, we lived in a studio apartment, my boyfriend and I, it, we didn't do anything. Like I didn't go to any friends from colleges, weddings. And I, we didn't, we didn't go on one vacation. I didn't go on a vacation. I mean, I don't even know if I've taken a real vacation that wasn't for work since I graduated from uh, college. Like we definitely made a ton of sacrifices, but I knew that like living, um, get having time to like work on my YouTube videos, working at the tanning salon, making no money uh, was better than me going and getting a corporate job. Better for me personally um, and, and just not having the time to like work on what I wanted. So I just, you know, obviously like different people have different privilege levels, but like, I definitely cut like anything I was doing that was anything except for just working and living. And I'm not saying that I wasn't miserable from time to time because it was very <laughs> hard. Like, I just want to be so realistic that like, it's really hard to like build a dream from nothing, but it is possible. And like, there's things to do along the way to like make yourself feel good and lift yourself up. Um, but it definitely, yeah. like, I think you have to have a conversation with yourself where you're like, how, how bad do I want this? And like, am I just going to go for it and like really try to do the things, even if I yeah. hate this and my life isn't what I want it to be in the moment, like that's okay because it's building blocks and like, ev and everyone has to do them. I mean, some people have less blocks to build than others, but you know, we all have to do it and just believe in yourself. I've had like a delusional belief in myself since literally the day I was born. I was like, I'm going to be famous. Like, I'm going to make people laugh, yeah. I'm going to make people smile. I have no, everyone has told me no. Everyone had told me no, friends, family, everyone. Um, literally up until Tyler and I packed our car up and moved to LA. And people didn't start being like kind to me about it until like the past two years. So yeah, I hope that answered the question. <laughs> That is literally, that's just the fucking, that's how it goes. Like that is literally how it goes. Like people told me not to quit my corporate job, not to do it like, and to get something else lined up. People were like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, that's a bad idea. That's not stable. And now there was no one that was going to tell me differently. Like I had to figure it out for myself. I had to lose my savings. I had to go in debt. Like yeah. I had to do these things in order to get to where like I am now. And it's like, yeah, then when people, when you're doing well, I mean, I haven't reached like that much success, but like, you know what? Fuck it. Success I'm, I'm on my way. Being here right now. Like, do you know how many people have an idea for a podcast or something and like, don't even start because they're so paralyzed by fear and like judgment. And also right. like on the judgment thing, like people will tell you your dreams are crazy and stupid. And like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Um, 
they're like projecting their own feelings onto you. Like that was a big thing people told me like in college when like, I mean, I was the one like when we were graduating where everyone's like, okay, like we have to get jobs. We have to get jobs. And I literally was like, I'm going to be famous. Like I'm not getting a job. Like I am going to go move to LA and like assist a stylist, work at a tanning salon and I'm going to make my dream happen. And like, I kind of was like, I don't know, maybe I am just like a little Delulu, but like I didn't, that stuff didn't phase me. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because like I had already felt like I'd experienced a lot of hard shit growing up that I was like, anything I'm doing out in LA is going to be better than my life in Ohio has been. So like, I don't really care what anyone says. Um, I'd also really devoured a lot of like E-True Hollywood stories and like memoirs and celebrity memoirs and stuff in my life of people saying like, don't give up because people will hate on it. People will judge you until you're successful. So you have to keep going. So I kind of like brushed off people that said those things to me, but I know it can be really hard, but like, I promise you, no one's ever judging or saying mean things about you that are doing more than you or better because people that are really happy with their lives aren't like shit talking other people on the internet or at all. So like, I, I think that you just, there has to be a point, I think, where like you just reach a point in life where you're like, and I say this to my younger sister who's 24 all the time because she's still kind of in this mindset being in her young 20s. Like um, there just has to come a point where like you care more about yourself and your future and your dreams coming true than what the fuck other people think of you because it will literally paralyze you. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm finally hitting that point, but like your twenties are just so confusing because you are so paralyzed by like what everyone is saying, what everyone is doing. Like I'm ready to be in my fucking thirties and forties. I'm not going to lie. Like it's it's exhausting. I love being 30. It like felt so good. It felt like such a privilege to turn 30. I felt like I'm honestly the like best feeling looking myself. Like I feel so confident in myself. And I think that's why so much beauty shines out of women as they get older um, because they just are so comfortable in who they are. And, you know, also in your twenties, like radiating that confidence. Yeah. And everyone's at such different life stages. Like some people have their big jobs. Some people are having babies. Some people who like are traveling the world. Like it's just, it feels like there is no roadmap because there is no roadmap. But we've all been like taught yeah. that like there is, um, but there's not. <laughs> Throw that shit out the door. Yes. It's infuriating. So how long were you working at the tanning salon until you were like, I'm fully in like YouTube. Like this is my full time. It was like, honestly, till like the, the pandemic hit and like that was like not a thing anymore. And I was like, okay, like I... I'm just going to do this because at that point, like we were lucky enough that I'd save some money. Tyler had his full-time job. I am so lucky enough to have like a partner who I've like now been with for like 12 years or something. Like we literally started dating the second semester of our first year of college when we were 18 and 19 and now we're 30. And he had like, you know, he, his job, I was like, you know what, like, if you're cool with it, I'm just going to go full in on this. And like, it was a couple months into the pandemic of me just doing YouTube and like doing it, doing it, doing it, doing blazed and glazed. It was at like maybe 30,000 subscribers then. And like, that's when I was really like getting to have wow. my couple brand deals and whatever. But then it was like, I started TikTok in like, uh, August or September of 2020. And like, I, I, it was just, it was crazy. Like I was making more money than I thought I would ever be making in the pandemic. Obviously it just felt crazy. Like I didn't know people were doing anything on TikTok except like dancing, like dancing videos. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. But Tyler was like, you know, you feel, cause I did feel like frustrated with YouTube. Like in those first three months of the pandemic, I was like, 
what do I do? I make come thrift with me. I can't go to the thrift store. I can't go anywhere. So I started like freaking out. I was making vlogs. I was making like online thrifting videos and doing all these things. And then in like August that in LA, the thrift store started opening up again and the state sales started happening. And so I just, Tyler literally said to me, he was like, just make TikToks. Like, but make them just your videos, like make them like vlogs. And like at that time on TikTok in 2020, like people were really only posting like dancing or like trends, like voiceovers or trends. And, yeah. And like, I was like, that's not me. Like, I want to talk to the camera. Like, I don't even really do any of that. I don't really, if you look at my account, like I don't really do trending videos. Like I, even though, and some people on my team will be like, do them. I'm like, no, like that's not what my audience wants to see from me. They want to see this from me, like face to face. I started making I think I made like my first like three videos and they were like come thrift with me and no one was making those on the platform. And they just like, I just made them like my YouTube videos, but smaller and they just like blew up. And I think I hit my first a hundred thousand on TikTok in like two weeks on the platform. And from there was like able to work with like brands that I loved, like Poshmark and Supergoop and like stuff like that. And then it just kept going and like I just dedicated fully to it but it was also doing TikTok and Instagram for me was always like the platform I honestly gave the shits less about because it was a photo platform I love video but then the second that they introduced reels when everyone got real upset all the like OG Instagram bloggers that like were like I what is this I'm like oh I fucking got this and then Same. Instagram became a actually like a much bigger of a deal of a platform to me and now it's like honestly, it, I love it so much. And I used to hate Instagram. So I'm like one of those people who really love that reels happened. I don't really watch reels, but like, I love to make them because it's a whole different audience than on TikTok for me. Um, and I can recycle the content, make new content. Same thing happened with like YouTube shorts and my YouTube videos. And then, you know, TikTok was my biggest platform. And now they're kind of all like, I work pretty like evenly on all of them. And I love it because, you know, I've been trying to get into TV forever. And I signed with my TV agent, uh, like last year. Um, and Mm -hmm. I'd been like trying to pitch, like I'm trying to create, I have decks for these unscripted, uh, like thrifting based television shows. And I'd been like doing different production meetings and stuff. Is it like LA thrift Queens? Yeah. Well, some of it, there's like four different shows that we're shopping around. And I, it's just like really, the book has like changed everything. The book has like having an IP for my book has like, and having Simon and Schuster behind that has opens up a lot of doors with these production companies and even the people on my team that are working with me. And that was like my path was like, I am going to take, I never wanted to just be an influencer. Like I've always seen social media as like my way to break into the entertainment industry and to get into totally. these rooms where no one would care unless you had a big last name. So I mm-hmm. was on that path. And then that's like what I was doing last year along with the TikTok and everything was pitching these shows with my agents. And then my book editor now Sam came to my team and like brought the book into my life. And now that has become like, obviously such a big part of what I am doing right now. And yeah, the it's, reason why you're like, it's, it's strung crazy. out from caffeine, probably. Yeah, it's been it's been a <laughs> lot. I want to talk about the book. So this is an amazing segue. So obviously, when you started to like create content on TikTok, you started sounds like you started really like popping the fuck off around 2020, like getting those brand yeah. deals and things really started changing. But like, when did things really change and click for you in terms of like, you know, the book and the TV agents and like these things that just felt like a breakthrough? Yeah. So like in 2020, I mean, I remember like in 
uh, what was it? I think it was December. It was like December 23rd. It was the day before Christmas Eve. I had a feature come out with, um, in 2020, I had a feature come out with Nylon Magazine, which was one of the magazines that like covered my walls. Like I covered my basement walls growing up where I would film my YouTube videos. You can literally see it in the back of my old Mm -hmm. videos like this, like collage, like I collaged with like Nylon and Teen Vogue and my best friend, Morgan, who you had on the pod, uh, she (laughs) back in like, before she was partner Bevel, like she was just working there. She was doing my press on the side. She was like, okay, like you've got these TikTok followers. Like let's break the wall. Like, let's get some press. And she pitched me like she pitched my story as my best friend. She's the best person to do it. She pitched my story and an editor at Nylon was like, I want to follow Macy around in the state sale for a day and write a whole feature about it. And it was amazing. Like, and I, and I decided right then that I was going to take any time that I did any press to strategically say when they asked, like, what are you going to do next? What do you want to do next? Like, I would say, like, I want to make TV shows. I want to make this into a TV show. And I said that, and they quoted me at the end of the nylon article saying like that I wanted to make a TV show based in this world. Um, like, and I think they said like American pickers for Gen Z and I was like, okay, whatever. And that's when my, the first production company I ever kind of partnered with to try to make a show and that didn't work out, but it's like really good because it has like led me to where I am now where like I'm working with what I really love, but it was what got me a lot of practice and like production meetings and learning about that. So that first article and just like being really open with these interviewers about my future, because I know for a fact, like people in the entertainment industry, I did a piece then after that, it kind of spiraled. And I did that. I did a piece with CR fashion book and then the LA times reached out to me to do a video piece and a written piece And again, like, I was just like, I want to make a TV show. I want to make a TV show. And I knew that people um, in the industry, like, read, like, the LA Times. And, like, they read these things to get, to find people, to find stories, to find what's hot and what people want to make into TV shows. And they reached out to me from there. And that was kind of just, like, me getting my foot in the door, me, like, starting to learn things about the more mainstream industry versus just social media and I was signed with a manager at the time who I ended up leaving last year because it just like wasn't a good fit anymore. But he led me to my agents and I'm signed at Gersh, which is an, just an incredible mm-hmm. agency out here that represents people like I just die over, like Angela Bassett, like people I'm just like, I can't even deal. And I met with like the top couple of agencies out here in LA and all of them wanted to rep me just digitally but didn't believe at like my following count, which at I think that time last year was like maybe like 300,000 on TikTok and like 30,000 on Instagram and like 100,000 on YouTube. And at that time, like they were just like, you know, like we love Macy and we want to like represent her digitally, but like we can't put the power behind like a TV show right now because of her, like she needs to get more followers, whatever. But at Gersh, I met this woman, Laura, who's my unscripted TV agent. And she was just like, she has like been in the industry forever. She's like, shark she's amazing and like she's just a powerful mom and like amazing and like she has so much knowledge in the industry and has made shows and she really believed in me and she was like we want to sign macy overall and we'll represent her digital and tv and i'll start you know doing these setting these production meetings for her and helping her like form her show ideas and her decks and this was all stuff i literally had no idea how to do i just started winging it and then the book deal 
came through to my team last year, like at this, like in June, like my editor, Sam, uh, she reached out and she was just like, we found Macy online. Has she ever thought about writing the ultimate guide to thrifting that doesn't exist? And I, I was like, wow. what the fuck? Absolutely. Yes. Like I had been so focused on TV happening and being like, how am I going to break through into the industry? Cause I would have these production meetings where like, I know thrifting and secondhand shopping is the future. It's so hot. It's everywhere. My videos are going viral, but like these like old, men at these companies like I'd be meeting with like have no fucking idea they like live in Beverly Hills and like they don't have any idea what that actual community looks like so all I kept hearing all of last year all I kept hearing from these executives was like she's too soon like she's too soon like she's amazing but like we're not going to be there yet like it's not what people want like we don't know what to do with this yet and now obviously with the book we are like hearing a different tune and with Sadly, like a lot of people want unscripted content right now because of the writer strike and the actor strike. And it's pretty much the only thing Hollywood can make right now. Um, so right. I'm like about to like take off on a new leg of the show pitching with the book and all of that. And like I'm really excited, but obviously the book is like the number one priority of like life right now. Um and yeah, it's it's I can't even say it's been a lot so much, but I'm like so happy. Like, I'm just so happy. I was so scared during the whole book process. I had obviously no idea what I was doing. Like, even though they reached out to me, they didn't obviously just give me a deal. You know, my editor was like, can she write like a proposal, like the table of contents, introduction and chapter one. And then it had to go through. So I had to write that after like, you know, I wasn't like quote unquote trained writer. Like I have so many friends that write for magazines and stuff. And like, that wasn't me. So I was like, I'm just going to be me. Cause that's what they want. And it had to go through their like, um, editorial board to get like the creative. Okay. And then it had to go through the acquisitions board to get like an offer on the table. And that was actually originally with Abrams books. And then halfway through my contract getting made, my editor, Sam moved to Simon and Schuster and had to move my project and get my whole deal approved by Simon and Schuster. So she could have me be her first acquisition at Simon and Schuster. So that was very scary, wow. but they approved it. And I remember the day she called me being like, I'm so sorry. I know I haven't been answering. Cause she knows I have a lot of anxiety. And she's like, I just wanted to make sure like I could get your complete contract matched. But Simon and Schuster obviously has just the most, they just have so much. I mean, they're, they're an incredible publishing house and like, I like have loved getting to write this. So I literally just wrapped writing my manuscript over the past couple of weeks. And we're now entering the art part of the book. And I'm doing like this, I'm, it's very like nineties fashion magazine, collage style, rookie teen Vogue fashion handbook inspired. Like it is going to be just bursting with photos. One of my, my best friend here in LA, Amy is a photographer. She shoots a lot of my brand campaigns. She got approved to and hired to shoot the whole book. So we're shooting it together. And so we have like the next two months to shoot the entire book. And then wow, it'll be out next spring. So it's like, it's nuts. It's nuts. How much can you tell us about the book itself and like what to expect? So it's like slated, it's called Second Chances. It's slated to be the ultimate guide that. thrifting in estate sales with my story intertwined. So it's definitely like um like a handbook, if you will. It's going to literally tell you if you like are the most beginner to like the secondhand shopping universe, say you're someone that like literally buys fast fashion all the time and you're like, okay, I'm I'm gonna like try to enter the secondhand world, like it will give you anything you've ever wanted to know. And then it also tells my story throughout it. 
I kind of like start every, I kind, it's kind of definitely like a journey where like you can work up from being like the beginner to more experienced at the end. And I'm really excited. I share a lot of my heart in it. And I, I've actually, in all of the thrifting content I've made online, um, in all of the content I've made online about thrifting, I've literally never made a thrifting tips video at all. So this is like a lot of stuff that just, yeah. I literally never shared. And I've just gained over like over a decade of thrifting but like not just thrifting, secondhand shopping, like we're talking flea markets, vintage sales, consignment stores, yard sales, estate sales, thrifting. It's just going to give you everything. And then it's going to give you so much inspiration as well, because it's going to be like just bursting with like outfits and photos. And I really just want to like show people how fucking cool being like sustainable can be and like thrifting and secondhand shopping. And like, just also because I'm like a quote unquote influencer and content creator, like there's just so much disgusting like consumption in that. And like people can be really irresponsible yes. with like what they use their platforms to promote. And it's like really hard to be in the mm -hmm. fashion sector of it all because I say hello to a lot of companies. I say no to a lot of money, but it's like why I got this opportunity because you know, like I, I really care. It's my whole heart and soul. Like I remember walking around my local Salvation Army when I was 16, like making those videos and being like, this place is so special. Like these clothes are so special. The people here are so special. It's a place where like, you know, it doesn't matter what your background is or how old you are, or how much money you have. Like we're all in this place and it, it it's so inclusive because it doesn't matter. You walk into a normal retail store and it's like this side's for boys, this side's for girls, models on, you know, the the Status. models everywhere that are like, this is what you yeah. like to wear our clothes. And at the thrift store, that doesn't exist. So people really get to like, it's really a place for people for self-expression and I'm just like bottling all of that up into this book and then just gonna just gonna throw it out at everyone. That's incredible. And it's been it's so incredibly I honestly I realize how much I use this word and like I don't know if how much how I like it, but I it's triggering for me to see on social media these content creators that are buying new things all the time because I'm like first of all in this economy, like what the fuck? Like who yeah. like what average person has the money? to be buying new things every single fucking week and and they're and they're getting this shit sent to them a lot of the time, right? Or they're getting a credit or they're or they're making money from the brand deals that that like is exponentially more than like the average person working a regular job. And it's just it's frustrating because it's like it makes you think that you need to have this same sense of like consumerism and like this this salary and like you need to have these clothes to be cool and you need to like, you know, wear use this brand and honestly, it's like across all products. It's like yeah, all no every single industry, the wellness, like fashion, it's everything. People real our society has been really hyped on that like new is good and old is bad. When it comes to women, yeah. when it comes to things, when it comes to like everything, like we've really been conditioned to believe that and like I just know that to not be true and like I mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, you know, I could really go on like a rant talking about like how, and I, this is, applies to, you know, I have a lot of friends that are influencers and I have these conversations with a lot of people behind closed doors and it can be really disheartening to see people that like stand up for like women's rights and I don't like people of color being paid more money and like all of these things that like people will ride for on social media, but then they will turn around and make like a haul of like a disgusting amount of clothes that were made by women in a third world country that are never making a living wage. And it's like, how do you, how do you like, I just don't understand like kind of like the disconnect we like 
put our blinders on and make um, between like the clothes like we claim to love so much and the people that make those clothes. And like we would yeah. never accept in our own lives a not livable wage. We would never want that for our grandma, our grandpa, our mother, our father, our sister. But like, we're so fine with it being these like women in another country that are out of sight, out of mind. And I just exactly. like, don't have to think about it. You don't see yeah, it. You don't I know. crazy to like be someone that like stands up and posts like an international woman's day post or like whatever, like I support women, but then like, it's like, but only like certain types of women. And I just don't think people, some people don't see the connection and some people just I mean, I think I, I don't even know how many times in the book I write, like, we need to take our blinders off because there's just no excuse at this point with all the information we have online. Like, obviously, when we were in high school and stuff, like, I call that like the mall girl days where like, I swear we like thought that things just got like spit out the back of the mall in mass quantities. And like, we didn't have as much yeah. access to the information about like, what is actually going on, what the climate crisis is, what the clothing crisis is, and like the ethics of fast fashion. But like, there's just like no excuse anymore. Like that stuff is just... That stuff is just there. And I, I'm telling you, it's like not people that are like, you know, because a lot of brands and like even thrifting can be hard when you're in a bigger body. And like, it's not people that are like plus size and it's not people that are low income that are driving the sales up the roof of these fast fashion companies. Like it's people, it's it's like influencers and it's like people that yeah. are influenced by influencers. It's not the person that like really can only afford the Shein top. So they buy it and they wear it every day until it wears out. Like that's, that's really not the problem. Um, so like, I always try to not get on, like, you're never going to hear me just being like, everyone needs to shop sustainably. Everyone needs to thrift. Like there's so much privilege rattled in all of it. I just like want people to like, think a little more empathetically and like, try to think outside of themselves and like, just check maybe a secondhand site or the thrift store before buying like another new dress for vacation or something, you know, like these little steps. Like I know it's not realistic that everyone is going to thrift their whole wardrobe like I do, but like at least getting that to be more normalized versus like how people yeah. were gross when I was in high school is like totally. everything. Like it's just everything to me. <laughs> I do worry because of how big like the influencer and content creation culture is becoming. Like I love it, but I also am like afraid because I personally feel like shit about myself from watching content when even people who are like on the come up and becoming new creators, it makes me feel worthless and makes me feel like I can't be anything unless I have the budget to buy a new item of clothing every day, every week, whatever it is. Like I don't even really go shopping anymore unless it's like for an event. And like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I try to like, I love expressing myself through like what I wear, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going out and spending all this money all the time. And I'm like, it's just not realistic and relatable. And I do worry for like people's mental state in a way of like, am I not good enough because I don't have, you know, yeah. these types of clothes, not even designers, like freaking even Abercrombie or like a hundred pair of jeans or a shirt or whatever. I, I mean, I felt that way so much growing up, like in high school, like I wanted so badly to be able to buy the things from Abercrombie and Hollister, all the cool people yeah. wearing, but like I was thrifting my clothes and like, that's something... I really love about honestly the content I create because I love that my audience is from different economic backgrounds. Like it's such a mix. And I love that because that's just real. That's just real people. And like, I love that I can make a haul of thrifted items and be like, 
you can't purchase this. There is no click. There is no fucking link in bio, yeah. Amazon fucking storefront. But you can go to your like local thrift store. You can search up on eBay and like you can find the piece that really speaks to you that you really want yeah. to wear, that you could really infuse into your wardrobe instead of just seeing me do a haul on TikTok and being like, oh, click by, click by, click by. They all come and you're like, do I even like this? Like, can it even fit my wardrobe? And then it like ends up back in the landfill. And it's just like, it's it's taking the time to be a little bit more of like a thoughtful consumer than just clicking the link. Like I, yeah, it's it's a mess. Like it's a mess. That's why it's like a crisis. Like that's why we're in this climate crisis and the fashion industry is literally like the leading contributor to it. Like it's a mess. And it kind of drives me a little up the wall that like people that make their whole entire careers around like fashion and like claiming to love fashion yeah. so much, like just don't care to look at the other side of the coin of like the frilly cheap dresses that they're buying. Yep. That is why I feel like I I think a lot of my self-consciousness comes from that in a way. But I mean, I have I'm self-conscious about a lot of things. <laughs> like one of the things is that I'm like, do I not I don't feel worthy because of like what I'm wearing. So now I'm trying to like like actually talk about the things that I already own and like what I'm recycling within my wardrobe and being honest about the fact that I'm not going out and buying new things every day. And like I just I'm not the person that is going to ever talk about only what they wear. I don't even think that. Like, because that's right. just a whole person. Like, that's not your identity. Exactly. So it's like, I just, I think people need to be more conscious, like you were saying. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. No. And like, I talk about it a lot in my book. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've been like saving it for because I definitely get like, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but like a couple, um, months ago when like in New York, it was like orange outside. And like, everyone was like, oh, it looks so dystopian. Like the world is ending. Like, cause no one could go outside cause it was like so smoky and all this stuff. Yeah. Like there were literally influencers like that I know, like being like posting, like here's the air purifier on my Amazon storefront. But like also posting like, it's so scary outside. And I'm like, bitch, <laughs> like you're literally driving people to your Amazon storefront to buy an air purifier this is literally a circle of a chain reaction of what is happening. And like, it just made me want to explode. And I just like channeled it into yeah. the because I was like, I just can't even right now because people get really defensive about defending the choices of stuff that they don't want to like take the time to like learn more about. And like, I think with a lot of stuff, we just have to like drop that and like actually just like listen to people that are actually, I could say this about so many things, but listen to people who've actually experienced these things. Listen to people who actually know what they're talking about, who have lived right. experience and like right. just kind of drop the defense because like we all fuck up. Right. And like, I've never been a perfect yeah. consumer. Like we all like do shit that like isn't good for the planet or for someone. And that's yeah. it's okay to say like, I have fucked up and like, I'm not perfect. Like it's fine right. to just like try to do better step by step. Yeah. And I feel like I'm more drawn to the creators, which is like that are showing their personality that are like telling all of their highs and lows of their day, of their life. People who are actually like telling you stories and letting you you into their life and not just doing the same type of content all of the time, but like have their unique personal voice. And so I feel like that's what I like want to create. That's what I feel like you do really well. And if you're just talking about like something new that you bought every single day, like it's not 
going to build you the same type of loyal community. That's what I try to remind myself when I'm like viewing this content is like, you're not going to build the community that you actually want by posting a new shirt every day. It's actually very true. And like, even like, you know, there's certain people that come to mind, like, and I've gone to a place, you know, I have like half a million followers on TikTok. And like, if I made content like that, I would be well over a million. Like there are choices that you consciously make that are like, there's been so many steps where I've like turned down a deal or not done, jumped on trends and like done shit that, I mean, I've watched friends like hit one, two, three million followers by doing that kind of stuff. But like, where's the longevity in that? Like, where's the like thought, like for me, like it's always been like doing this has been a means to get to a bigger place where like I can make more meaningful projects, not just to like sell things. So I, I think it's really important that does build a better community. Like I can very much so say that like, I've had times where I felt really down on myself over the past couple of years of like, honestly, sometimes I've been like, why do I fucking care? Like, fuck, like these people that just put their blinders on, like they don't care and they just make all this money and like whatever, whatever, whatever that burns out. Eventually it all, it comes, it, it comes down at a point where like right now where like people have been hawking this stuff, Amazon, all this stuff. And like consumers are waking up and viewers, especially in like this economic climate and the world. And after like COVID and all this stuff, like people like don't like want to watch that as much. Um, and you're right. Like just because some, you're maybe getting like a million views on a video, but it's because like your skirt went viral. Like people don't like invest their time and their energy and their connection and their engagement into a skirt, even if they saved the video to buy it, like they invest that into people. So like I tell anyone, like people follow people, like not things. So like, if that's your thing is like things like you need to branch out because you're not going to build that following where like people will follow you to watch a TV show, to buy a book, to want to see exactly. in these in these arenas because they they do, I don't know, they like relate. I like that people know that where I came from and where I've gotten to and that it's been a mess along the way. And I think that that like really does just lead to so much more connection. It's a slower burn for sure, but it's yeah. so worth it when like you do see it start to pay off. Yeah. Everything that you're saying, I'm just thinking in my head, like, I'm so proud of you. And like, I, you're just inspiring me so much because I feel like, you know, you can listen to these people and these creators that you don't know personally, Mm -hmm. like say these things, but hearing and like seeing your journey just like really inspires me. And I hope to like, whoever listens to this podcast, like they also feel that way because I'm just like, okay, now I feel like reinvigorated. I'm like, okay, like anyone who cares about like something and has a vision can fucking do it yeah. if they just put their minds to it. And that's so inspiring. And make the content that like, like you were saying, like that you like to consume, like don't make content that you don't like to consume. Like if you're making content and you're like, I would never fucking watch this. Like don't make that content. Like, you know what I mean? And like, it's, I, I just think you're like totally on the right path. And that makes me really happy to hear because I just, like I said, like can relate so hard to like, just like literally where you're kind of describing you're at and just feeling that's so hard and it really hurts and it feels really shitty. And like, I would have these breakdowns and like, but yeah, it, it, you come out like more yourself, you come out, I feel yeah. like lighter and like stronger. And like, like I said, like you even just like having this podcast now is like leaps and bounds above a ton of people that like are too scared to start and like too scared yeah. to like, make their dreams come true. Like we have so much life left to live. Like we're still so. So true. And I think it can get so discouraging when you 
start something new and you then all of you all you see is just like everyone else doing those similar things and so it's like fuck like am I even that special um do I even mean anything to anyone like but you just have to like come back to the fact that you're doing it and that honestly this is my unsolicited advice to people listening like you have to allow yourself to be bad at things, I think, because I was so hung up on like, why am I not perfect? Why am I not getting this? Why am I not getting these views? Why am I, whatever it was that now I'm just like allowing myself to be bad at podcasting and not know everything because that's how you fucking learn and grow. And like, if I keep doing this for however many years, like I'm going to see progress. That's just like a given. Right. So And that's what it sounds like your journey has been is like trying these different things and like, look where you are, you know? And like also dropping, like a lot of that is also like, I've realized over this time was like dropping the ego that like is telling you like that you should be having this and you should be having that and like dropping that and just being like, I like really letting that ego go that I really feel like inside of us will like tell us like you can't do this because you're not good enough and like perfect and like all this stuff when like I will just say yeah I agree like for I was making those first videos like literally in my kitchen in my studio apartment and I would get so down on myself that it wasn't this cookie cutter perfect thing but I'm not a cookie cutter perfect thing like I'm a fucking hot mess I'm a chaotic I'm a Virgo but I'm chaos and like that is me (laughs) and I will never even at this like where I'm at now, like I will sometimes for like a minute be like, fuck, like I don't even know, like like being in this fashion influencer bubble because I don't feel like I fit the typical fashion influencer, fashion girl mold because I am really messy and I've always done my own hair and my own stick on nails and like thrifted my clothes. And like, I grew up so DIY and I just had no idea how many more people like that existed, but so many more like people like that exist than like the cookie cutter perfect people that you are seeing like yeah. on TikTok. Like so many more people like you are out there um, and they're like waiting to hear from you if that's something that you feel pulled to do. 100%. And no one like perfect can only get you so far. Like yeah. we are humans. We are messy. No one is perfect. Like And that's like exactly what I wanted to do with this podcast is like have these messy conversations and like embrace being like main fucking character energy in your own life and like not worrying about what other people think, not worrying about like judgment from other people, just like being your actual full self. And even that, if that means that you're imperfect and you make mistakes, like doing it anyway and yeah, like boring is perfect is so boring. So yeah, like what's the point? I don't watch people like that. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I don't even consume that kind of content. So it's like, why was I trying to want to be like that? Like it's just be yourself. It like just sounds like obviously it's hard, but like just be yourself. It's the best 100%. Thing. Okay. I have a couple final questions for you. Some rapid fire. But I want to ask you first, like if someone is trying to define their personal style, like, how do they go about finding what their own personal style is? So, like, obviously, my first tip is going to be thrifting because it's how I found my personal style. It is a way for you to play with trends in a way that isn't going to hurt the planet, in a way that isn't going to hurt your wallet, in a way that isn't going to put you in credit card debt that people get into over buying yeah. fashion clothes, which is crazy. Like, it is such Terry a Bradshaw. Place- self-expression. Oh my God. I've been deep in my summer. I do a every summer sex in the city rewatch. And so like, I actually am just now in season six, like I'm wrapping up. Um, but it, 
it's just, yeah, you thrifting is such a crazy good way. And I, I have to say that like the people that I think are the most fashionable, the most stylish, and that I think are fashion icons, like all come from a very DIY make it work backgrounds. And like, I think you really find that real sense of style in yourself when like you are going into a store, like the thrift store, a vintage store, whatever it is. And like, like I said, there's no outside influences. Like there's no mannequins telling you how to dress. There's no models up on the wall in the outfits they've pre-put together. There's no outside things coming into your mind. So you can really just gravitate towards, yeah, influence, gravitate towards what you actually like and want to try. And then you, yeah. if it doesn't work out, you can return it back to the thrift store. It's still going circular and it's great. I also, for people just getting into thrifting, like I really like to use things like Pinterest and like screenshotting things and making folders on my phone of outfits that I really like, but like, I'm obviously not going to buy firsthand and I'll go and I will like manifest trying to find that at the thrift store. And that is truly like, I think the best advice for anyone that is like either feeling like they're in a style rut or like they've just really never had a chance to find their style. Like start experimenting um at the thrift store and like it you will probably be surprised with stuff that you want to try that mm -hmm. under other influence like you didn't think you could ever wear um i'm going back to ohio in like i think or no friday this friday and i think i'm gonna go thrifting in like cincinnati area and i'm freaking pumped yes so um, i don't know if you have any suggestions of that area but i do i'll i'll um i will i'll dm you them because i actually when i was in uh when I was home for a friend's wedding back in December, my sister and I actually went thrifting in Cincinnati, which I had not done very much of. I'm from Dayton, like not that far away from there. And yeah, I'll give you some places. Amazing. I'm so excited. I actually have heard it's really good there. So I'm pumped. I feel like these rapid fire questions were made for you. Like when I, I just feel like they're made for you. So the first question is, what is your favorite comfort show? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have like three. Degrassi, the next generation, like the, like the OG Degrassi. I was a big fan, like literally went to the mall tours, like met Drake before he was Drake, Aubrey Graham, my favorite show ever, Entourage and Sex and the City. Wow. Those are my faves. I, I was not expecting you to say the first two. Yeah, they're my fave. Degrassi is just like, was like my comfort, like everything to me growing up. Like I said, like I literally went to the mall tours for my birthdays. I was like a crazed freak. And then Entourage is like my comfort. I've probably seen Entourage more times than any other show. It in Sex and the City might be, I do a yearly rewatch of both, literally, because yeah. Sex and the City gives me my fashion vibes and Entourage gives me my entertainment industry. Just like, I don't know, I just find a lot of comfort and like inspiration in it as well. So love them. I've actually never watched Entourage, so I need to do that. But I am fully in Sex and the City obsess obsession right now. Like I'm watching and just like that. And I like it. I know you commented on my video. Because I love it. Because I think the people just need to shut up. Because like one, I love that it's trying to just like do things better than it did before. And also yeah. as like a real ass Sex and the City fan, like I am just so grateful to be getting any new content that Thanks. is those women doing their thing in that universe, like I will just eat it up. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if it's not, I know people have so many opinions, but as far as like reboots and like reimaginings and stuff like that and like continuations go, it's one of the best. Yes, I totally agree. I feel like other reboots are like terrible. I'm so here for it. Like, I'm just, like you said, happy that they're even, we're even getting them on our screens. And I feel like all the characters are very similar personalities to like 25 years ago. So yeah, I love that's it. all I really care about. Okay. The next question is what's your guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. What do I like to do? 
I mean, I'm definitely, I don't really like say anything is like a guilty pleasure, but like, I definitely, oh my God. Okay. Hold on. This is a hard question because I <laughs> just kind of like, there's probably nothing I do that I wouldn't like tell people like I love to do this okay so what's something that's like categorically bad like or oh the people I mean I definitely like um smoke a lot of weed I'm a big pothead and blazed and glazed like that's that is what that means blazed and glazed skin I have endometriosis a chronic illness and I also have crippling anxiety so like that's why I like started using cannabis but like honestly like I don't really drink Tyler doesn't drink anymore and like it's something that really helps me just feel better. And like in LA, it's very normal. Um, But I think it's something people are like surprised to hear about me because like, I think people associate like the term pothead with like someone who's definitely not doing everything that I'm doing. And like, it, it's just for me. It's just, it's for me. I need to send you after this, these like edible things that I use, but they're like CBD and like THC and other things. They're they're life-changing. I'll send them to you afterwards. Yeah. Changed my life. Um, okay. The next question, this one was fucking made for you. Okay. A pop culture moment that shaped you. Oh my gosh. I, so I, I also am like very pop culture obsessed. Mm-hmm. I think like it wasn't even like a specific moment, but I feel like for me, just like in 2000 and what, like seven, when the last writer strike was happening was when the first reality TV boom ever happened. And I think for me, when like those shows like started kicking off on MTV and like American Idol and like America's Next Top Model and all of that stuff, like those things really shaped me in the same way that I was talking about how YouTube did, like seeing a path to like getting into the entertainment industry that was really, really different and was for people that like were living lives like me. So I think just like that boom, which I've just been thinking about a lot recently because like their writer strike is happening right now. And that was kind of the time that reality TV boomed back then. Like, I think just that, like, cause I, I love reality TV too. Like I wish I had more time yeah. to just consume it. Um, I think that I, I, but I, I love pop culture. Like I could literally like talk about it all day. I definitely am like always knowing literally everything niche that is going on in any random person's life. And like Tyler's fully not on social media at all. So like he knows nothing until I tell it to him. Uh, But I, I just love reality TV and I loved it. Like that really changed me. Like when I was a kid, like I just, I feel like that's when I just like was like literally glued into the TV 24 seven and just became so obsessed. It was my outlet. It was like my outlet when I was depressed in like eighth grade and I just watch reality TV all day long. Yeah. I feel like I could probably and I feel like even better, but I'm just like, I, I just like think about that. And I'm like, I just remember that all starting and like people hated it, but like, I was like, oh my God, I love this. It's a mess and it's fabulous. And I'm going to make unscripted TV. And like, now that's exactly what I am going to be doing. So I, I love showing real people. Like, I just love, like, I love uh, scripted content so much, but I love just seeing people be people. And when, when reality TV is boring, like when people say that it's boring or that it's, it needs to fizzle out or whatever, I'm like, I don't care. I would watch these people pick their nose. I would watch these people breathe. I just want to watch them and be like a voyeur. Like that's all I care about is just watching them. And like, I am, I feel like an ultimate fan. And I feel like, you know, a lot of like really niche references too about like 
older pop culture and like older mm-hmm. songs. And like during the pandemic, when you were like dancing a lot on your Instagram stories, I was obsessed. I was like, these are songs that like I thought no one knew. And it just makes me so happy. Oh, because I like also am very obsessed with like 80s music specifically, like Wham and like Kaja Gugu are some of my favorite bands. Like I love 80s. I love like all the Brat Pack movies and all of that stuff and like 90s movies. So that is like my my morning dance party playlist. Like that is, I mean, I listen to that music constantly. Like all I do is listen to old ass music because it makes me really just like really happy. I will say another pop culture moment like recently that happened that made me just feel a lot was like when Jennifer Coolidge uh, won her, I think Golden Globe or Emmy for White Lotus. And like, I just stand her since, oh my God, I don't know the beginning of time. Like if the people that are just becoming Jennifer Coolidge stands, like (laughs) where have you been? And like, she is everything. And like listening to her really talk about like on a main stage like that, like, you know, a lot of actors will get those awards and like be really blase, like whatever about it. Like her, like really being like, no one believes in me. Like even when I was working in Hollywood and like doing roles like Paulette Bonafonte, for God's sakes, like Mm -hmm. no one took me seriously until like Mike White did because he knew me and like her just being really honest about that in her speeches. Like I, I found that really, really moving. Like I, a, a woman who normally like we see in like more of an unserious way, like really like owning her moment and like taking a moment to talk about it uh, was, and be really real about it was, was so really relatable. And like yeah. to talk about how much it meant to her, like, and how important it was to her to be like, I don't know, looked at in that way by an industry she'd been working in for a really long time, like decades, like that. I found like to just be like really moving. Like it made me cry. Like I was just like this bitch, like it can happen. It's just going to happen when it happens. You know what I mean? And you can relate like it. I've I've been thinking my whole life, like, when am I going to blow up? When is this going to happen? When is my career going to take off? And like, you can really convince yourself that like, if it doesn't happen for you by 25 or like 30, that it's not going to happen. But like women like that, Mm like really, really show us that like, no, it can literally happen at any time. Like you can win an Oscar when you're 70 years old. Like it, it's just going to happen when the timing is right. And if my stuff would have popped off when I wanted it to, like it wouldn't have even, I don't even think I would have gotten the book because I think the universe, I mean, planned it to be at this time when like people are fed up with fast fashion and it is shifting to a more sustainable conversation. And like people are starting to think thrifting is cool. And I think it was the perfect moment for like everything that I wanted to just mesh together. And if you Mm -hmm. told me just, you know, five years ago when I was beating myself up so hard, like just in five years, like this is where you'll be. Like, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, because I I just, I think it would have probably caused me to be a lot nicer to myself during those times. But um, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of this time being very like hard on myself and hearing someone like that talk about it in that way, like really made me feel like, okay, like we're not alone. Like we're, I don't know. I found it like just so beautiful. Totally. And I feel like I always try to remind myself of that whenever I'm feeling like down. I'm like, okay, 40 year old Delaney is probably going to be in a completely different space. And like, I wonder what she's going to have to tell me and like what, like where I'll be at that point. And just like, I wish I could talk to that version of myself and she'll be like, you're totally fine. Like, just calm down. There's so many like entrepreneurs, actors, actresses, like people that we have to learn from that like didn't hit their success until like an older age. And it's a good reminder to you know, like to hear those stories. Yeah. Honestly, we should call these slow fire, not rapid fire. Cause there's nothing rapid about them. I, know, I, know, <laughs> I, know. Like, well, I mean, I just know I'm a talker. Like I will just talk. I am too. I have a hard time giving like a one word answer. 
statement, I always have to comment on everything that people say every time they answer. I'm like, oh, me too. Like, shut up, Delaney. Um, okay, next question is, how would you describe yourself if your life was a movie and you were the main character? Oh, how would I describe myself? I think that I am very funny and entertaining and I think I'm a like a good trustworthy friend. I'm usually like that person that like everyone is telling all their business to because like I'm never going to judge a fucking soul because I've seen quite almost at all. Like I don't care. Um, hopefully really stylish and fabulous, but also empathetic and caring. Um, that's how I would like to hope that my character would be described. <laughs> Yeah. I love it when people answer this question because it's never what I expect it to be. And like, I feel like people, everyone sees everyone differently. And there's just, there's Mm -hmm. things that I see in you that like, maybe you don't see in yourself. And like, then you tell me things back. And I just, I love hearing this, the answer to this question, because people always like love certain things about themselves. And I don't know. I just, it's so sweet. It's a good question to ask. When I did my old series, LA Thrift Queens, like the last thing I would always ask like at the end of the, the questions I would ask people is like, what is the number one thing that you love about yourself? Or like, tell me mm-hmm. something you love about yourself. And it would always throw people through like such a loop of like, mm-hmm. what, like, I, oh, I don't know. That's like not something we get asked very often to say positive attributes about ourselves. So I love that you ask that. I only have one more for you. And the last one is what is a fashion trend, a current fashion trend that you, or I guess it could be old, that you're currently obsessed with? Oh, oh. So I am really in to, let me think about it. Cause my outfits, I'm like very nineties, early two thousands based. You know what I'm saying? Like that's usually, and honestly, most of the time, if I'm not filming, like I am wearing a baby tee or a tank top and like track pants, like very like casual. Um, but like, I've been all about pushing the agenda of the sneaker heel. Like it's, I've made like countless videos about them. I've sourced like so many on eBay and I don't even know if they were ever cool at one point back in the day, but they're cool in my house. Uh, and I just, oh, also capris. Like I love capris. Like I am such a capri girly. (laughs) Like it is insane. I love capris with a kitten heel, very carry. Um, and just like. I like the trend of just like dressing and wearing whatever the fuck you want. Every time I see like new trend forecasts come out every season, I'm like, okay, like don't we say, I mean, like Miranda Priestley, like, you know, flowers for spring groundbreaking. Like, you know, I just feel like it's the same thing. Like, so we might as well just like dress how we want to dress, but I am loving capris and I'm loving sneaker heels. Um, Very, it's very my vibe. And was also loving that large belt that you got sent by who was it that sent it Moschino. to you? Moschino. Oh my God. Moschino. Well, that was the first time. That was my, the biggest, that was the first time like a high end designer. Like I worked with coach last year, which was incredible, but I, it was the Love biggest them. designer like I've worked with and I worked with them on a couple pieces of content and yeah, they sent me a ton of pieces, but they also sent me that fucking belt. And like, I didn't even know what they wanted me to do with it. And then like, I just started <laughs> getting into things and they were like, literally like, oh my God, like the innovation. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Go watch Macy's TikToks on, on this big belt that she was sent. It, it's incredible. And she like styles it in different ways. I was really here for it. I was like, damn, but I don't know where you'd wear that. You know, like people got me because you know, when videos go a little too viral, like I, once it like hits past a million it is not going to my followers anymore. It is going to other people. It gets crazy. And people comment the meanest stuff you've ever heard and don't get it. But like, 
I mean, I was getting, there was like a whole thread of like 50 comments that were like, how will she ever wear that through airport security? Like they will never let her through. I'm like, do you, is this a what to wear to the airport video or a wrapping a giant <laughs> ball around my body video? Because one is, they're very different and this is very unserious. Like, let's all just like not be so serious. Like it's just clothes. <laughs> it's so true. It's like, calm down. Like who, like who asked? you up in arms they're like how will she ever get through the airport and I'm like she is not going to the airport <laughs> like I don't think she's wearing that to the airport like she cannot even sit down in this like oh God. someone was like how she how how is she gonna sit I'm like I'm, I'm not I'm so glad sit. that people are worried about you in the airport people I know like, I'm like where did that come from literally okay shout yourself out tell us about the book and like what we can expect from that where everyone can find you and your content so Blazed and Glazed on TikTok and YouTube, Macy Eleni on Instagram. I'm like on stories every day, all the time. I love Instagram. Um, I post like pretty frequently everywhere. Like I'm posting all week, every week. And my book, definitely Instagram and TikTok will be good places to follow. I'm also doing like an author series on YouTube that I just started, like Days in the Life of a First Time Author, because it's my first time doing it. And when I got my publishing deal, I was trying to like vigorously look up all of these videos on like being a first time author, especially like as yeah. an influencer, it's like a different level um, of the whole thing. And like, I, there was nothing, there was no content. So I was like, okay, I need to make content about this for people because it is like yeah. a crazy experience to be thrown into. And the book will be, there'll be pre-order sometime before it comes out, but it's slated to come out in May of 2024. I can't wait to get it. It's going to be so, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm excited that I'm just done with the manuscript stuff. Like really took me, I just respect anyone who makes this stuff, but I've been begging for it. You know, I've been begging for something outside of social media because even making the content I make now and doing it full time, like I still get so down on myself sometimes about numbers and videos performing a certain way. And like for yeah. a, a past like six months, the first six months before I got my book deal previous to it, I was begging the universe for like something bigger, like a TV show, like a book, like something to dig my teeth into that was outside of like how a random video performs in an algorithm. And so like anytime I was getting stressed during this process, I was just like, it's, I, it's what I wished for. So like, I'm so grateful, but like, I have such a respect for people that do this stuff because it's, it's hard to write a book. Like I'm just saying it's hard. Girl, I give you so much, so much props. I've been watching your YouTube videos on it or the one that you just posted a few weeks ago. And I love it. Oh, but thank you so much for coming on. Literally, I know that you're like so busy right now. So I can't thank you enough. And it's just been so nice hanging with you and oh talking my God, to you. No, I was like thrilled. Morgan was like, you need to go on. She was so good at interviewing. And I was like, oh, I'm going on. Aw. Well, you can come back on anytime, sister. Maybe, maybe when we have more about the book and I'm doing that stuff. 1,000%. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you are loving the podcast, please, please leave a rating and review and tell others what you're loving about the show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me create more content for you. If you have suggestions for the pod or questions you'd like me to answer, you can always email staroftheshowpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.